In the name of Jesus, amen. Dear Saints, there's a uh, Christian movement that started back in 2009 called National Back to Church Sunday. Uh, And the idea is to encourage Christians who once went to church to come back to church regularly. And this year it's supposed to be on September 19th. And I think the intention is good. Um, However, the truth is that every Sunday (laughs) is National Back to Church Sunday. Uh, It should be a weekly effort. Uh, Nevertheless, if there ever were a Back to Church Sunday, it should be today this very Sunday, the second Sunday of Trinity. And the reason is because of the gospel lesson that you just heard. Simply put, this text is about church attendance. It is about going to church. The parable in summary is this, that a man plans for a great feast. And everyone says, look, great, uh, let us know when the feast is and we're going to be there. Just get everything ready and you let me know and I'm going to be there. And then the time comes when he says, okay, all is ready, come. And then they don't. And they said they would, but they don't. And they give excuses for why they don't and why they won't go. Now, the first thing to note here, there's a number of things, but the first thing is this, is that God not only knows that and when you are not in church, but he also knows why. God not only knows that people make excuses to not come, but he also knows the real reason why they refuse to come. I've been fooled many times. People have given me what sounds like legitimate reasons why they cannot come to church. And for some, I found out later that it wasn't really the case, that it, that wasn't really the reason. That happens, I know. People may give fake excuses as to why they don't want to go to church. I don't know. I have no way of knowing until after the fact, until the time has passed. Nevertheless, I have been fooled many times, and I might be being fooled right now. It could be true. Some say that they may be busy, when in fact they are just lazy. Some may say they're working, when in fact they're just sleeping. Some may say they need some time, when really they just have an unresolved issue with someone else in the congregation, and they just don't want to see that person in church. Some may say they're afraid to come, when it might just sound like the perfect excuse to not come. It could be anything. I don't, I don't know. But listen carefully, though. This is... <clears throat> Uh, This is an important point. I am not advocating that we all go around and snoop on one another. (laughs) I'm not, I'm never going to do that. If you say something and I'm going to treat you like a Christian and take your word for it, I'm going to assume that you're telling me the truth every time. I'm not interested in prying or trying to force any secrets out of you. And neither should you do that to each other. You shouldn't snoop around or be suspicious of other people or distrustful of your, of your brothers and sisters here. You shouldn't do that. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Let that suffice. But here's my point. You can fool me and you can fool everyone else in the congregation, but you cannot fool God. He will not be mocked. God knows. God knows the real reasons. He knows what is going on in your heart. This is true. 
He knows your heart better than you do. Now, I don't even know who needs to hear this sermon right now or these words right now. But if it's cutting you to the heart, then it's supposed to be you. You can deceive others, but you cannot deceive the Lord. The second thing is this. That's the first thing we see in the parable. The second thing is this. If you paid attention to the parable, you will have noticed that even the very best excuses are not good enough. Remember what happened. They said one person bought a field, another bought oxen, the last one got married. And if you listen to those excuses, we oftentimes brush those excuses off like they are ridiculous or poorly thought out. Like they just scramble to get something together. Oh, I have oxen. I got to go. I can't make it. Nobody misses a feast today because they bought a field, right? Nobody misses a wedding because they have oxen to tend to or, or, or whatever it might be. They're, they're married. Uh, but what you have to understand here is this. When they are talking about fields and oxen, they are talking about work. That's what they're talking about. They're talking about their nine to five job, their career, the way they make money. And when they talk about marriage, they're simply talking about family. And now all of a sudden, these excuses don't seem so far-fetched or ridiculous anymore. In fact, they are very familiar. People today still use these two same exact excuses to get out of church even today, 2,000 years later. Work and family. Work and family are important. Yes, God gave them to you, both to you. But no amount of work and no family member of yours should ever get in the way of being with the Lord, of hearing the Lord's word and receiving his forgiveness. Not, it should never happen. That is not the case. Let that sink in. This, this may be hard to hear, but, <clears throat> uh, but I have to say it. Your work and your family are not good enough reasons to miss church. They're not. Uh, look, in fact, forget about me right now. Uh, don't go home and say, look, well, Pastor Rojas says, uh, I got to go to church now, right? Uh, that's, that's, he's, he's on my case. Uh, I got to go to church now. No, read the text in the parable. What does the text say? What do the words say? The, if you read the text, work is not a good enough reason to miss church. Not according to that parable, right? Family is not a good enough reason to miss church. Not according to those words, right? Just, just open it up and read it. Now, do you see how those in the parable spoke and said this? Um, They stated their excuse in such a way as if the master would completely understand. It's as if they said, look, look, I wish I could come, but I just bought a field. And you know what that's like, right? And they expect the master to be like, oh, for goodness sakes, of course. You should have said you just bought a field. Yeah, your, your excuse, go ahead. You know, just come back whenever. Uh, or maybe those excuses are good for an ordinary banquet or an ordinary feast or a dinner or something. But not for this one. Not for the one that the master has set out. That is not a good enough excuse for that one. This banquet is a banquet of salvation, the feast of victory. It's eternal life. This is where the one God himself is present as host and meal. And so for this banquet that has to do with eternal life, for the forgiveness of sins, it teaches there is no good enough excuse. 
In fact, when they say these excuses, the master does not even understand at all. The parable says this. It says, then the master of the house became angry. And the guests that were invited were uninvited. They lost their chance to come and others took their place. Uh, I just want to say a little bit about this. When God takes away the invitation from you, it is not that he is taking away the food from the banquet. It's that he's taking away your hunger for the food. And he gives that to another. What does that mean? When you excuse yourself from church, God does not, he's not taking away the preaching and the Lord's Supper and baptism. He's not just taking this away from you. These are all here week after week after week. The same word of forgiveness is preached day in and day out. But when God takes away his invitation from you, he's not taking these things away, but he's taking the faith in your heart away. Your desire for the word, he takes that away. In fact, when you don't come to church, God takes away your desire to come to church. When you don't come to church, he takes away your desire to come to church. That's how it works. Uh, When you don't want to hear his word, he simply takes it away altogether. And I've seen Christians slowly pile one excuse on top of another. And soon after they fall away, after they create a new habit on a Sunday morning or whatever it might be. And then after some time, I'll invite them back to church and say, look, uh, you should come back to church. This is a good place to be. This is where you need to hear the gospel. This is for your sake, for your salvation. And then they say, I I don't even know why I have to go. And I'll say something, or, or they'll be honest and say, I don't feel like going. And then I'll say, well, this is because you've refused the invitation Uh, to the point that the Lord has simply stopped giving it to you. And he has removed your hunger and your thirst for his salvation. Uh, And now there's someone else sitting in the seat that you used to sit in. In In your church, now someone else is taking your place. And they have the desire that you no longer have. Uh, I'm going to back up for a moment and say a few things about the excuses from before about work and family. First about work and then about family. So regarding work, I've been a pastor for about seven years now, uh, and I have never known someone who has lost their job, their livelihood, and were forced into poverty because they they chose to go to church on Sunday instead of work. I've not, I've not known that. I, I haven't seen that in seven years. I could be wrong. I could be mistaken. I've never seen someone lose their home because they told their boss, I cannot work on Sunday. I don't know of anyone who's lost their job because of this and couldn't find another. I, I could, again, I could be wrong, but I have never seen this. <clears throat> and it may change. But I've never known this to be the case. But on the other hand, I have seen... Many, many, many people lose the faith and fall away because they did work on Sunday. That I have seen. In seven short years, I have seen it. I do know of many who worked or studied or did something important on Sunday morning and shortly lose the desire to even come back. Now, regarding family, uh, most Sundays, 
I would say, I think you guys could probably back me up on this, most Sundays are uneventful. Uh, These Sundays tend to be lazy days and slow days for the majority of people. But every once in a while, Sunday morning becomes quite busy, right? Uh, You have family in town visiting, and you have a lot of things scheduled. You've got to do a lot of things while they're in town, while they're here together. Now, in these times, God will bless you with a decision to make. And I use the word specifically, carefully. I bless you with this decision. You have a choice to make when this happens. Do I go and spend 0.6% of my week in church hearing the word of God like I ought to? Or do I use that time to leave early and get a good spot at the beach? Or get a good spot in the line at Disney or while the lines are short? Or go sightseeing or go out to brunch before everybody else gets there? Sometimes you're faced with this decision and this conundrum. And in these moments, your heart is tested because you have to make a choice. And what do you do? Well, can't you just wait one hour? Just one, delay, every, delay the day one hour and say, I'm going to go after church. Can't you just tell Disney and call them up or the beach or your own family and tell them, look, wait, hold on. Uh, Can't you just tell them, look, I have something really important, something that I really want to do, something that means more to me than anything else in this world, and that is to be with Jesus and to hear his word and his his salvation. And I want to be with Jesus this morning because he loves me. So why don't you come, uh, why don't you go go out, go without me, but for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Why, why, Why can't we say that? Uh, You know the saying, actions speak louder than words, Right? Well, I cannot think of a better application of those words than when it comes to going to church. Uh, Parents, you guys know this really well. You can tell your kids a million times, you have to go to church. You got to go to church. You got to get up, get up early in the morning. You got to go to church, go to church, go to church. It is the right thing to do. You have to go to church. You you can say this till you're blue in the face a thousand times and nag them to death. And then what are they going to say after a while? They're going to say, Well, I'll think about it, right? Or I'll consider it. But when you put your money where your mouth is and you lead by example, I guarantee you that your actions will speak louder than your words. When you have family in town who offers to buy you breakfast instead of going to church or who offers to pay for your theme park ticket or who offers you a free ticket to the game on a Sunday morning, and you turn that down instead to come to church, you will never have to tell your kids again. That will be engraved in their minds. As a matter of fact, you should be thankful when these opportunities come up because God has given you a golden opportunity to teach your kids in a way that you would have never been able to teach them with words alone because you have this decision to make. When you show your children how important it is to go to church by going to church yourself, you won't have to nag them to do so. And when you show them that you go not begrudgingly or out of fear, but happily, gladly, and willingly, they will remember it. Psalm 122 says, I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Psalm 100 says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. 
when your children see it, they will not forget it. And, and your, your children will be 70 years old sitting with their grandchildren and say, look, my old man was offered tickets to go to a finals game on a Sunday morning. And do you know what he did? He turned them down and he went to church instead because he would not be moved from Jesus. He loved sports, but he loved Jesus more. That's just the way my old man was. Or they'll say, look, family would come into town and and he would bring them all to church. And if they were sleeping, they didn't get up or they were uh, lazy. My parents would leave them at the house by themselves and say, wait here, we'll be back. (laughs) Because there was no way they would skip church. Or they'll say, look, my mom didn't let anything deter her from going to church. She loved it. She'd be happier on a Sunday morning than any other day of the week. She would get us dressed. She would feed us. She'd bring us to church. She'd show us how to hold a hymnal and sing hymns to Jesus because she loved us so much. When your children see this, they will never, you'll never have to nag your children again. Now, with all this being said, <clears throat> I know that there are times when someone may have to miss church. But these are reasons and not excuses, okay? They're reasons to miss church, not excuses. And there's a difference. And you know the difference. And God does too. God knows when you make reasons and when you have reasons, and when you make excuses. And if you're ever in doubt about which one it is, just go back and read the third commandment that says, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. What does this mean? You should fear and love God. So we should fear and love God so that we do not despise preaching and his word, but hold it sacred and gladly hear and learn it. That is what, so if you're ever in doubt, if you have questions about whether I should be in church today or not, what do you do? You go to church and you go to communion and you receive and hear the word of God. Okay, Uh, all of this being said, before closing, I want you to know that I know that we all feel uncomfortable about this topic. And we have regrets about our own church attendance. In fact, we can look back on our lives. I I can look back on my life and remember specific years that I did not go to church. Years that I despised it. Even if I was there mentally, I was gone. That I did not go and I did not understand how important it it, it was. And And when I remember that, I feel guilty about it. And I know that many of you have had the same times and seasons in your life when you did not take the word of God seriously. Either you didn't go or when you did go, your mind was daydreaming about something else, thinking about something else, and that you did not, you just simply refused to go to church. Maybe this could be how you're feeling right now. I don't know. And I know how this works. I have a sinful heart too that sorely troubles me. But when your conscience haunts you like this, resist the temptation to make an excuse and explain it. Don't, don't try to refine your excuse or justify why, what was going, don't, don't even try to find a reason. Don't, don't even engage in that. When you're troubled and your conscience aches because of this and you're weighed down by guilt, don't think of a reason or an excuse, just confess it. Just, this goes with all sins, just confess the sin. Because God who is faithful and just and he will forgive you your sins.
No amount of excuses or reasons can take away your sins. Only Jesus does that, and he does. He is faithful even when we were unfaithful, and even when we are unfaithful. Every moment you turned your back on him, every moment you put work or family or the cares of this life above him, every single time you devoted yourself to an idol of this world, Jesus has washed all of that away in a flood of his blood. And the reason he wants you to be in church is exactly because he wants to forgive you all your sins. That's it. When you come to church, you're not doing something for Jesus. He is doing something for you. He is wiping away the debt. He is wiping away the mountain of, of sin with an avalanche of his blood. And he forgives you everything you're guilty of. And that forgiveness he gives you in the supper here today, in this word and in the Lord's Supper. He's not only given you a banquet of his forgiveness, but he's given you an appetite now, this moment, to even want it, to hunger and thirst for forgiveness. And he has called you here today to this feast, now in time and soon in eternity. Amen. May the peace of God which surpasses all understanding guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.